0: And we're back, as though nothing has ever happened, uh, as though there has not been a complete seven-month pause on this podcast. We have returned, and we are back—not not better than ever, but I'm okay. Um, I have a lot going on, which is why I haven't. Uh, on the pod in a minute I'll just like summarize it for you um real quick is that I haven't been feeling well um it's nothing like deadly or serious but um I've been to so many doctors so many doctors and I've been diagnosed with so many different things and they're all wrong (laughs) and I basically feel sick um often, like almost every day. I don't know if I want to get like too specific, but um, it initially started with about a month of vertigo. And I don't know if anybody listening has ever had vertigo, but um, I would not wish this on my worst enemy. Actually, I would. Actually, I would wish it on my worst enemy. But um, Because, like, it's survivable. Like, you'll be fine. (laughs) But, like, you think the room is spinning sometimes. And you'll be, like, you think the floor is tilted. And you just, like, feel dizzy and whatever. Um, So that's how, like, initially me not feeling well started. I basically had vertigo for, like, all of November. Like, the entire month I was, like not doing well and feeling, like, dizzy and weird. Long story short, um, you know, when this all started, I was initially diagnosed with BPPV, which is benign paroxysmal positional vertigo. And it's a type of vertigo that can be alleviated doing this uh, maneuver. It's called the Epley maneuver. And basically what it is is the doctor will, like, have you be sitting up on a table and then you will lean back really quickly and then turn your head to the right and then uh, turn your head to the left and then come up quickly. I don't know. We never had to do it because my uh, dizziness and vertigo basically, like, eventually resolved and (laughs) they don't really know, like, why or anything. I mean, it goes back even further than this. Like, I've been having, like, weird, like, symptoms of stuff for, like, oh, mm, a year. No, two years, I'd say. Two years. And at first, I thought I had, like, a gastrointestinal problem because I had been, like, throwing up. I want to get, like, too specific, but let's just say that I'm not well. (laughs) I am not well. Oh, and I am, like, losing weight, too. Not, like, like rapidly, and I don't look, like, super, super skinny, but I have, like, lost weight to the point where, like, people are noticing, and they're like, you look great. And I'm like, ugh, I, what? I look great? I have an undiagnosed chronic illness. <laughs> and I, But I look great, you know. That's why we need to stop commenting on people's weights, please, for the love of God. Please stop. Please stop telling people they look good because they might be dying of something. I mean, I'm not dying of something. Basically, they think that I have a hormonal imbalance uh, because I have this hormone. uh, There's this hormone called prolactin, and it's elevated. And it's possible that I might have a benign um, growth on my pituitary gland and if I do, it, it would be what's causing all of my problems. Um, so I will find out about that uh, within the next couple weeks. So wish me luck with that. Um, because, you know, I haven't been able to do stand-up, really. Because I get sick. I basically am sick at night. Um, like, during the day, I feel pretty good. But at night, I, like, feel kind of nauseous, and I might throw up, and I don't know, I just, like, feel weird, is how I would describe it. I know that's not, like, very, like, detailed, and I know this is a podcast where you're supposed to, like, give details because it's a non-visual medium, but that's all I can say is I just feel weird <laughs> and strange. So if anybody who has ever had any issues with um high prolactin or had a prolactinoma, If you're listening, please write into the podcast, unrulypodcast.gmail.com. Yes, the email is active. Have people emailed it before? Yeah. Have they emailed it recently? No. Have I correctly leveraged my comedy career (laughs) into having a podcast that people listen to? No. I mean, enough people listen to it, but, like, honestly, I kind of like that not too many people listen to it because I feel like I say things that people would get really mad at. (laughs) I do. Like, if somebody, like, really, like, low-key wanted to cancel me, they should just go through my podcast and listen to some of my controversial opinions. Sorry. Not sorry. Um, today was a huge day. Um, oh, wait, hold on. Let me back up. So, Yeah, um, I just don't feel well at night, so I haven't been able to go up, which is really annoying because I feel like I have so much to talk about on stage, especially, you know, all the stuff about my mom dying. I did start talking about it on stage. I was um, working on some material about my mom, and I mean, I like it. I think it's like really good. It's really raw and honest you know my comedy has always been raw and honest people don't like that that's why i they don't they like delusion <laughs> that's why i'm not going to oh my god i don't want to name any of my nemeses in comedy but like i don't know like some of my nemeses they like just like talk about like the most inane things on stage and people are like yeah i don't know comedy fans can be distressing to say the least so yeah at some point I will be back to doing stand-up hopefully I will get fixed uh quickly because I don't enjoy feeling unwell um and yeah you know what I I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy but I would but I would to be honest but I would (laughs) So whoever my worst enemy is you know probably somebody who like thinks i don't like them but i probably like don't care um i hope you're doing well all of my all of my nemeses and frenemies um yeah so today was a big day in history um <laughs> Okay, so you know that lawyer in South Carolina who was on trial for murdering his son and his wife? Um, he was convicted today, uh, not surprisingly. And <laughs> the, the verdict came back in three hours. That's like really short. That's no time at all. Um, and it was a unanimous verdict, So he's going to jail. But also, you know who chimed in on this? Was O.J. Simpson. So great to hear from him. Uh, Love that he's on social media. What a great time to be alive. And he actually posted saying, like, I think he's going to get away with this. (laughs) And I was just like, how could you possibly think that? And I was like, oh, yeah. Because you got away with it. Um, (laughs) Just so ridiculous. But, you know, I was talking about this case like months and months ago before people even knew what it was or what was going on because I initially read about um, the murders. I think they were almost two years ago. And I was like, wait a second. So, like, this young guy and his mom are murdered. And... His father, I, later on, his father, like, was trying to, like, stage his own murder to ensure that his other son, who's named Buster, um, got life insurance. And it totally backfired. <laughs> like, I think the guy did shoot him. But, like, it didn't kill him. And then he, I don't know, was just, like, laying on the side of the road, like, injured. And it didn't work out. But they're, like, a really prominent family. Um in South Carolina, of lawyers, and I don't know, it's just um, really interesting here, it says here, the Murdaugh family, and yeah, it, am I pronouncing that right, Murdaw? it's, I mean, people say it's like murder, like, it sounds like murder, it's like, there's a murder, there's a Murdaugh, oh, that sounds very Southern, okay. <laughs> It sounds like Daniel Craig and those horrible movies. No shade, sorry. Um, I, I do not, I did not think Knives Out was a good movie. And I'm fine saying that, you know. I thought Glass Onion was better, but I never understood exactly why people were, like, so into Knives Out or, like what they thought was so special about it, I heard people say, like, oh, it's, like, a new type of mystery. I'm like, new type of mystery? How? Like, basically, it's just, like, a regular murder mystery where, like, a rich person gets murdered and then there's, like, a bunch of people who have, like, the motive to murder because they could get their money. What's new about that? Anyway, um... (laughs) Yeah, Glass Onion was okay. Ed Norton did a good job in it. Always a big fan of him. So, uh, here's what it says on Wikipedia: like, there's a Wikipedia article called The Murdoch Family. The Murdoch Family is an American legal family in the Lowcountry region of South Carolina. From 1920 to 2006, three members of the family consecutively served as district attorneys in charge of prosecuting all criminal cases in the state's 14th Circuit District, leading locals to call the five-county district Murdoch Country. Okay. Uh, the family also founded a nationally recognized civil litigation firm in Hampton, South Carolina, which specializes in personal injury litigation. I worked in personal injury law for, um, oh, my God, how many years? Uh, nine years? Almost ten years? <sighs> that type of law is so disturbing on both sides. Um, <laughs> it's basically just like... It's insurance companies that are like in cahoots with. Mm, it, okay, so it's like this whole network of like doctors, lawyers, and insurance companies, and there's a, some there's some scamming going on there. Not gonna lie, um, I don't want to get too much into it, but it's it's not. I wanted to get out of it so bad because I felt like a lot of personal injury law is really dishonest. Um, except towards the end of it, I was working on more, like, serious cases, like, serious injury cases. Like, oh, you know, people who, like, had gotten paralyzed or people who had suffered degloving injuries. Don't ever look that up. Don't ever search degloving injury. Please, for the love of God, listen to me. Don't search it. So, anyway... <laughs> This guy, Alex Murdaugh, he is, like, involved in such a mess of, like, so many different crimes. And he's, like, so this is one of the most interesting ones. So it, it goes back to 2014 that they think he's been, you know, messing with client money, like, committing all kinds of crimes. Um he's, He was disbarred, but only last year. Um And this is the most interesting one. Uh, I think (laughs) so under the legal issues section of Wikipedia page of the Murdoch family it says Alex Murdoch and his associates are involved in a web of complex criminal charges and investigations with activities dating back to at least 2014 and these are just ongoing investigations and this one is the killing of Stephen Smith. In 2015, teenager Stephen Smith was found dead from blunt force trauma on a road in Hampton County, and the case ruled a hit-and-run with no suspects arrested. Smith was openly gay and a high school classmate of Alex Murdaugh's son's Buster. Witnesses interviewed as part of the original investigation repeatedly implicated Buster as having been involved in a relationship with Stephen, but the case had gone cold. Hmm. That's interesting. According to the Greenville News, rumors hinting at a cover-up and the possible involvement of one or more members of the Murdoch family began circulating around the Hampton County area soon after Smith's death, and according to the Beaufort County Island packet, the case, quote, reeked of insider interference. In June 2021, South Carolina Law Enforcement Division reopened the investigation into Smith's death based on evidence while investigating the deaths of Alex Murdoch's wife and son, which had also occurred in June 2021, in which Alex is charged for murder, now found guilty. No charges or indictments have been issued in relations to Smith's killing as of February 2023. So what are they saying there? Like, are they saying that... (laughs) He killed his son's boyfriend for some reason. I mean, like, I guess they're hinting at the the motive being some sort of homophobia. But also, I don't know, like, could it be the son that did something? Because his other son who passed away, who he killed, um, who he murdered, was involved in, like... <laughs> a deadly boating accident in February 2019. So, and her, the girl who died in the boating accident, her, her name was Mallory Beach. In February 2019, Alex's younger son, Paul Murdaugh, was charged with three felonies after the death of his teenage friend Mallory Beach in a boating accident. Paul's blood alcohol content was 0.286, over three times the legal limit for operating a motor vehicle. Yet despite being the driver of the boat, Paul was not given a field sobriety test, was not taken to jail for booking, nor was he ever handcuffed. This led to the speculation that he had received special treatment by virtue of his family connections. The judge denied a prosecutorial request that he wear an alcohol monitor. Blah, 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 blah. The Beach wrongful death case began the unraveling of Alex Murdoch's criminal enterprise by exposing financial information that spiraled into an inquiry into Murdoch's alleged financial wrongdoing. And the days before the killing of his wife and son on June 7th, 2021, Murdoch was under immense pressure. A judge has scheduled a hearing for June 10th to consider a motion to compel. Murdoch to turn over his financial information. Okay, so, but right before he, like, murdered his wife and son, he was in a lot of trouble already. Um, There's a whole other section here called Allegations of Embezzlement from the Dead. And (laughs) this is basically, so some of the things he did is that You know, he represented people in wrongful death suits and then he would lie about the amount of the settlement and then only give them a part of the settlement and then steal the rest of it. And it says here that they think that he has stolen up to $20 million. (laughs) And they have no idea, like, what happened to the money. Like, I don't know. But this guy also, he had, like, mansions and stuff. So, I think, obviously, he was, like, living a lifestyle that was um, expensive to maintain. So, and there's another incident where um, their housekeeper, like, fell down the stairs and, and died, like, a few weeks later. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, so crazy. Like, this is definitely going to become, like, some sort of HBO miniseries. And I look forward to it. Um, there is a Netflix special about it, but I haven't watched it. Um, I kind of like stay away from those like Netflix documentaries because some of them are like so bad. So I mean, some of them were good. Like, um, what's that? The Tinder swindler, or what's that woman? Is it was it the Tinder swindler? You know, the woman who. Um, you know, she was like a chef. <laughs> this is so descriptive. I know this is so riveting. She was like a chef. And her boyfriend, of course, was some guy who um, got a bunch of money out of her. Okay, the tender swindler is the guy, uh, Simon Levayev, And I think he was like Israeli, right? And he, like, got, like, hundreds of thousand dollars out of these women. I, you know, I I hate to, like, victim blame. I'm, like, totally against that. But also, like, why would you give your boyfriend a $100,000? Like, I mean, he convinced them that he was, like, really wealthy and was doing, like, super well and was going to pay them back, and he never did. But, like, I don't know. I, like, I once lent like, $400 to a boyfriend, and it was, like... I think it's, like, one of the dumbest things I ever did in my entire life. Do I regret it? Yeah. Did he pay me back? Yeah. Not the point. Oh, bad vegan. That's it. Oh, yeah. This is her name. Sarma Melangalis. I don't know how to pronounce that. Okay, yeah. She was a vegan restaurateur. And she owned uh a restaurant called pure food and wine in new york and then like for a while she wasn't paying her employees then the place shut down and then it turns out that she was like i think there was like a part where she was doing math and um <laughs> oh yes okay so anthony Stranges, is that his name He's, like, a total, like, delusional narcissist manipulator. And he, like, manipulated her into basically stealing money from the restaurant and giving it to her. So it says they were ultimately charged with transferring over $1.6 million from the restaurant into their personal accounts. Hmm. And they, like, I think they tried to, like, leave the country. Or they did leave the country. Oh, I mean that was a good that was a good documentary, but you know, whatever. Um, what else have I been up to? Um, I saw Titanic in 3D. Can I just say that Titanic is possibly one of the best executed films of all time? Uh, I know James Cameron has a huge like overblown ego that he thinks very, very highly of himself. Um, but I think he, like, should think highly of himself, because Titanic is so well done. It's such a good movie, and maybe I'm biased, because it came out when I was, you know, 10 years old, and I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was so cute, and, you know, but, like, me now, 36-year-old me, um, who is decrepit, um... To Leonardo DiCaprio. Like he wouldn't even talk to. A 36 year old. Obviously. Um, He. Like I still thought he was like cute in the movie. Now. And I think that's like just like. Nostalgia. You know. For a simple time where. You know. You saw Titanic. You're like who is that. And you realize. Oh it was that guy who was on Growing Pains. (laughs) For a couple years, um, I do remember him on Growing Pains. I am your elder; please respect me. Okay, he played Luke on Growing Pains. He was some sort of orphan. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> so you see Leonardo DiCaprio, and your life just like changes. Um, and he was, you know, in all of those magazines, like Tiger Beat, and um. That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. You know, and they would have those, like, posters, like, built into the magazine that you can tear out and hang up on your wall. (sighs) And then you just, like, have a crush on this guy. And then you watch Romeo and Juliet. And you're like, wow, like, I'm in puberty. And (laughs) things start to get interesting. And here you are, 25 years later, Um, he hasn't changed much emotionally or mentally. Physically, he has, um, because let's be honest, he looks a lot older now, because he is older. <laughs> and it's just not the same, you know, like, young people today, they just think of Leonardo DiCaprio as like, a pedophile or something. I don't know. That's, like, what they think. They think everyone's a pedophile. They're like, you're a sex criminal. Like, like (laughs) it's weird. There's, like, this huge, like, purity culture movement where Gen Z people are constantly, like, you know, calling people out for, like, age gap relationships. And personally, I do think, like, a lot of age gap relationships are bad. Like, I was in some. Like, I was in one where I was 26. My boyfriend was 35. But, like, also the thing is that he, like, lied about his age. Like, when we first met, he told me he was 28 and I was 26. I was like, oh, this is normal. And then it turns out he had, like, shaved seven years off of his age. Like, who does that? A total crazy person. So, yeah, that was an example of an age gap relationship that was very, very bad. But there is this, like, trend of young people just, like, really, like, going forward and being, like, um, we shouldn't have sex scenes in movies anymore. And and that was a take I could not get on board with. And this came out because Penn Badgley, because of You Season 4, he was doing some press and he said, oh, you know, I I don't really want to do sex scenes anymore because, you know, it's important for me to be faithful to my wife. And I just thought that was, like, so weird because it's like, okay, but we know you're not actually having sex with the person, that it's acting. And somebody, like, tweeted, like, well, it's obvious that he was caught cheating and he's in the doghouse and... You know, he has to say something like that to stay in his wife's good graces. I was like, that seems accurate. Um, But, (laughs) you know, a bunch of Gen Z people were like, yeah, I agree with Penn Badgley. You know, we just shouldn't have sex scenes at all in movies or TV. And I'm like, okay, but movies and TV are supposed to reflect real life. They're supposed to be telling stories about what humanity is like. So humans never have sex. You know. It's exploitative to have sex scenes in a movie. Oh my god. Like. I I just can't even with that sort of take. You know. And then I saw somebody tweeting like. Well. <laughs> I. You know. I have PTSD. And ADHD. <laughs> and. You know. Whenever a sex scene comes on in a movie, I'm just absolutely shocked. And I can't handle it. It can cause me to have a panic attack. It's just like, oh my god. Like, So basically, everything is wrong with you. And you're saying that the thing we need to do to like cater to you is get rid of sex scenes in movies. Hmm. Okay. Um, Gen Z is right about some things. Like, they definitely are... You know, I don't think they're, like, taking any shit, you know? And I think they do want to, like, make the world a better place. But some of their takes are, like, so extreme I can't get on board with. So, anyway, they they think Leonardo DiCaprio is, like, a creep and a perv. And, I mean, I don't know if he is. Like, other people think he is gay. And that all of these models that he dates are his beards. Um, I don't think he's gay. Um I think he's probably extremely emotionally and mentally stunted because um you know fame can be extremely extremely stunting and I read a psychologist um who said something about how people basically stay the same age mentally forever the age that they were when they got famous so he got famous, really, really famous when Titanic came out, and he was 22. So that's, that's, like, super young, or he was 23, 22 or 23. So he's been, like, extremely world famous for 26 years. That has to, like, definitely have psychological ramifications. And I know, like, people are going to be like, don't sympathize with the rich. Don't sympathize with the 1%. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really, like, sympathizing with him. I'm just, like, explaining his, you know, pathology. Because I'm, a, I'm an expert on human behavior. <sighs> I've actually said that unironically a few times and i believe it i think i am an expert on you know certain types of behaviors but you know like he still goes to like nightclubs all the time i i saw like a tiktok of a girl who like saw him at a nightclub and he was like dancing behind her and i don't know it was weird like I, he's 49 or 48 and that's what he's doing can i i i wouldn't find that attractive like, what What could you do with a 48-year-old guy who wants to go to a nightclub? Ugh, nothing. <laughs> I don't know what he talks about. Like, apparently, allegedly, he's, like, you know, passionate about the environment and blah, 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 blah. Is that what he talks about? Does he talk about climate change? You know? And that's another thing Gen Z will bring up. They're like, oh, he's not really for climate change because he flies private jets. And I actually don't think he flies private. I think he flies commercial. Um, But maybe he changed that. I don't know. Like, people are always like, you can't care about the environment and fly in a private jet. I don't know. So, yeah. These Gen Z kids, some of them got it right. Some of them got it wrong. And Leonardo DiCaprio, Hmm. he is... Trapped, you know, he's trapped in a a glass case of fame. And it's all because of Titanic, you know, which circles back to James Cameron um, and his life's work. You know, is Titanic my favorite James Cameron movie? Yeah. My second favorite James Cameron movie is True Lies. <laughs> um, I have not seen Avatar, and I never want to see Avatar because... I don't know. I heard it's very like white savior type story. I don't know. I don't I don't want to see it. It just doesn't look appealing to me. I don't know. And I go to see almost every movie. I see anything. I'll see any movie except Avatar. That sh- maybe I should put that on a sticker. I'll see any movie except Avatar. There's another sticker I'm working on. I'm going to have it for sale eventually on my website. It's going to say hateful shrew. Because somebody online called me a hateful shrew. And I thought that was really cute. And I'm going to put it on stickers. And maybe mugs. I'm trying to figure out. uh, Well, I think I'm going to have it like. Do you like print on demand type stuff? I'm not sure what I'm doing. But I have some ideas for things I want to do. To possibly, you know, create some passive income. (laughs) And then when I eventually start. You know, doing shows again and going out of town to do shows, I can have some merch and, um, you know, try to make some monies in addition to whatever I get paid on the road. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, mi- I do miss doing stand up, but also, like, I don't want to, you know, exhaust myself even more by like trying to go on stage. So I'm trying to rest. You know, your mo- the most important thing should always be your health. So I'm trying to like take that into account and do that, but at the same time I'm like, oh my god, like I'm going to be like rusty when I go on stage. I'm not going to like know what to talk about. I can't possibly make chronic illness funny. I don't even know if I want to talk about this on stage because they don't even know what it is. I guess that could be a thing that they misdiagnosed me with so many different things, but I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. So anyway, I guess that's it. Um, I'm unwell. Leonardo DiCaprio has um, stunted emotions and will forever only relate to 22 year olds and that's fine that's fine yeah he really was good looking in Titanic I'll tell you what I mean he was very like young looking but that's the thing it's like it's there's definitely like some sort of like nostalgic association with like when you're first starting to discover the opposite sex and you're like oh this person is attractive and also you know Teenage girls, like, they like guys who look more feminine, I guess. I don't... I guess it's because they, like, look less threatening. Like, overly, like, masculine guys or, like, guys who look older are frightening to teenage girls. And that's the way it should be. Um, I barely remember being a teenager. I I just remember that, like, one of my friends described me as boy crazy. If if only she could see me now, single, at 36. (laughs) Single. I have gone on some dates, but they weren't so great. Um, Maybe I'll talk about my dates on the next episode. Um, I'm on Hinge, and it's not going well. I've gone on a couple of dates, but nothing to write home about. So, yeah, I just wanted to talk to you, just wanted to check in, wanted to let you know that I'm alive, and I'm here, and I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me. Today I saw my primary care doctor, and she goes, I don't know what's wrong with you. And I was like, oh, okay, very encouraging. So that is the American medical system. They do not know what is wrong with me. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna wait, and do what they tell me, and do the tests, I've made a bunch of appointments on my own, and that's it, so, uh, follow me on Twitter, at FixedAirHeather, Instagram, same handle, I'm on TikTok, I do some film reviews on there, um, Which I actually like. I should do one of Titanic 3D. So maybe I'll do that tomorrow. Um, And my handle on TikTok is... At Unruly So that's it. Um, I hope you guys are doing well. I hope you're taking care of yourself. Your mental health. I hope you're meditating. I hope you're exercising. Eating well. All those things. Because I'm trying my best. Okay. I sound like Stuart Smalley. But I'm being genuine. Okay. So... That's all for now. Take care. <laughs>